Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hello. Hi. How are you, Lindsay? I'm good. It's Wednesday. We're back in rehearsal, so, you know, I always feel like Wednesday's my hardest day because it's right in the middle, mm -hmm. um, but I was looking forward to this, so, yeah, I'm good. Thank you for joining me um, on this series, Conversations with the Pros, where I love to just bring some insight to dancers of all ages, of all levels, about how the pros are fueling their body and able to really sustain um, a career that is fulfilling to them. So why don't we dive in with you giving us an introduction of uh, not just who you are, but also your journey that led you to Dance Theater of Harlem. Yeah, well, I was born and raised in Texas, um, Midland, Texas. It's not near any of the big cities. <laughs> Everyone's always like, which one? I'm like, nope, it's way out in West Texas. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I had great dance training there um, through Susan Clark. Um, and then afterwards, I went to Butler University. Um, I graduated with degrees in dance and also PR and advertising. Mm. Um, and then after school, I went to Nashville Ballet for um, like my traineeship years and then joined Dance Theater of Harlem in New York. And now I can't believe it. I've been with them like 10 seasons already. Um, I know. Like, whoa, time flies. <laughs> time flies. I feel the same. I've been a dietitian for about 10 years and I just feel like where has its time gone? I want to hear about your college years for a little bit. You started in a, what you described smaller town, not a big city, but you were lucky to have some great training there. Uh, then you moved on to Butler, great program. I would love to hear about your college experience with dance. Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, education was like always very much pushed in my family. So I was kind of, before I went to school, I was like, do I want to do this? Do I not? Um, but then also I felt like, you know, the backup plan. Um, and I really wanted to have the college experience. Um, so that was important to me. And I felt like Butler kind of allowed me to have all of that, like more great dance training. And, um, you know, it's a pretty, it's grown since I've been there, but it was, it's a, like a relatively small campus and they have like a fun, uh, you know, like community life and that kind of thing. So. I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, and then it's great because at Butler that you do full length ballets, um, mm -hmm. which I know and there are like a handful of universities that I think are able to kind of pull those kind of productions off. 
Um, so I thought that was um, a really nice, nice kind of benefit um, to my college experience. And I think um, it really, it broadened me in a lot of ways because um, we had so many classes and like I'd taken modern kind of during like summer programs, that kind of thing, but I'd never had modern more consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had different like, like Spanish character and we learned to play the castanets and like flamenco character and, and just, you know, um, kind of exposure to those things I thought was really great. Yeah, and one thing that I feel has been shifting over, I would say, the past decade is the um, opportunities for dancers to actually bridge their uh, high school experience and their professional experience with college. I think um, we're hearing about more dancers going to school, going to college, not going straight from high school into the company route. And I agree with you, even from personal experience, the ability that that experience has in broadening a dancer's, um, not just technique, but even artistry, right? And what you're bringing to the stage uh, is very helpful for that step that you're then taking from college to the professional world. Absolutely. I um... Mm -hmm. That and then I think like the combination of like having academic classes and just being able to meet so many people on different life paths. Um, I think that was a really cool part of college. Um, yeah. I will say, I think having gone into the professional world after school, um, you know, you still kind of have to start at the beginning, you know, you mm. still have to like build your way up in a ballet company. Um, and I do think there is a lot of benefit from being around seasoned professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you can just learn so much from that, that experience. Um, and so I think that's a little bit harder to get in the college setting, um, you know, but yeah, at the same time, I think, you know, every individual has a, a path that's right for them. So, um, you know, I'd advise every dancer to like consider it, but like also I think the professional route because dance careers are relatively short is yeah. really wonderful too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there are a lot of um, part-time opportunities too in regards to academics and being able to, you know, do it online or do it while you're in a company and so forth. I know a lot of companies are now partnering with universities to provide that for their dancers, which is pretty cool. Lindsay, I'm curious if there was ever a specific time, whether that was when you were in your high school days, your college days, or your professional days, that you started to make this connection between the foods on your plate and how you were performing as a dancer. Yes. Um, I would say, well, okay, because also I was raised in Texas, so that's like a very like our eating habits in Texas, I always joke, like macaroni and cheese is considered a vegetable there. <laughs> right. Uh, I love beef, um, like that kind of thing. And so, I don't know, I would say like in college, my diet was really not great. Um, and then I think it was after school, maybe in Nashville, like talking to some of the older company members, I remember one was part of a CSA and I was like, what is that? Mm. Um, and so then she was able, she kind of explained that and, you know, her nutrition. Um, but I would say it was probably when I came to New York, I was like, okay, I think, you know, I, I need to kind of reevaluate this. Um, and I think that maybe started my journey. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Now, one thing you talk about growing up in Texas, food being more celebratory, you having these experiences perhaps growing up with food being very, um, providing a lot of celebratory experiences and that playing a huge role in your relationship with food. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think, I don't know, like uh, growing up, we were always driving around places and I think it, there were so many drive through and fast food, that kind of thing. Um, so I'd say b both of those, like the, there's like the celebratory aspect and there's also the convenience aspect of like, yeah, we'll get, you know, a, a burrito and some chips and guac and <laughs> mm -hmm. go to back bay and that was great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, convenience and accessibility are a huge part of learning what um, can work for an individual dancer, you know, like having to, to utilize what is accessible to you. It's something I talk about a lot on my feet. A lot of dancers, they hyper-focus on their art. We see this especially with ballet. Uh, one thing that you mentioned earlier was that going to college, you having academics around you, you having non-dancers around you perhaps helped you keep you grounded, keep you not necessarily obsessing just in your technique. How have you been able to maintain that mindset, that balanced mindset, even while being in the professional world? Or was that maybe a challenge that you've had to work through? I feel like the more I learned, I started realizing like, okay, so, you know, like fairies provide antioxidants and like oatmeal is a great and filling thing to have in the morning. So I would start trying to incorporate those kinds of foods in working around that obsessive mindset by being like, yeah, you can have it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, um, I think like your cravings and stuff, like actually once you give your body the nutrients you need, it's you're not, you don't really care about the cinnamon roll as much, or you can have like, you know, you, you won't have like two or three. The major point here that I'm hearing, omitting the point of deprivation, right? Because that's what eventually drives us to desire all sorts of foods, especially those more quote unquote indulgent types foods that are higher in, let's just say, um, simpler carbohydrates or higher in fat essentially because our body biologically is craving energy. It needs energy as a response to deprivation. So if we're coming at this, removing that point of deprivation and actually supplying our body with those nourishing options that you mentioned, learning about nutrition, right? And learning how to incorporate those concepts, like let's say fibrous options, complex carbohydrates, all that good stuff. Um, Entering the mindset of allowance instead of deprivation is eventually what helps with those other quote unquote more indulgent options. That's when we're better able to practice mindful eating techniques around those other options. Yes, exactly. And and just like, like for the indulgent options being like, absolutely, you can have the indulgent options. Yes, right. All about that, that mindset of allowance. Instead of telling yourself that you shouldn't be having this, that you can't have this, how can you have it? How can you incorporate it amongst other nourishing options so that you can then tune in mindfully to, the, to those foods? So COVID-19 obviously presented a ton of challenges for dancers, especially with quarantine. It also presented a lot of opportunities for dancers. How was your experience having to step away from the studio for some time? Yeah, um, you know, it was really interesting because like I said, I've been with Dance Theater of Harlem for um, so long now. So at mm -hmm. that time I'd been, we tour 
quite a bit of the year. You know, we're always in and out. So for me, I've spent the past eight years kind of maybe half the year in New York and the other half of the year outside in hotels, eating mm-hmm. out, like that kind of thing. Um, so it was, I mean, obviously, obviously it had its challenges too, but overall I was like, oh, it's really nice to kind of reground myself, um, be able to make meals. Um, I feel like nutrition wise, I was kind of even more aware, uh, just cause when you're not ordering on a menu and that kind of thing, it's like, you can have more intention in what mm-hmm. you're putting in your body. Um, and then, yeah, at DTH, we kind of worked throughout, uh, the pandemic. Um, we worked from home. Um, we had like classes for ourselves in the morning. We made a lot of the online content and stuff in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then we also, uh, taught in school online virtually in the evening. So, uh, we were very busy um, dance-wise, and I felt like, I don't know, the working on camera more and that kind of thing, um, it was an interesting time for self-evaluation, and, you know, I felt like I was able to, like, reflect on myself and my being a lot more. So, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm still alive. We're made, we're made. <laughs> yes, you made it through, absolutely. What about pre-performance rituals? Anything that you have that now that you're back to dancing, back to the rehearsals and performances, anything you like to do before a performance that you find to be somewhat of a ritual? Well, let's see. Actually, before we go on, I do have to say, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Lillian Bakery. Yes, of course. (laughs) Of course. Like uh, two blocks from one. And I will say really helped me get through the quarantine um yes yes cookies really make me happy you can tell I'm a pastry a pastry lover so Mm -hmm. that's always my go-to like comfort food Um, yeah and just to note off that a lot of dancers get a little bit uh, nervous when they hear about the idea of having comfort foods and seeking support from food and you know to an extent emotional eating, which is unfortunately usually constructed in a very negative light in our culture. But the truth is everything you're describing right now is cookies, for example, or pastries bringing you comfort. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad thing. In fact, um, that could actually be very helpful during times of discomfort. It's just that we don't, we don't really ever want food to be our only tool of getting through times of discomfort, right? It can be one of them. We just don't want it to be the only one. But my point being is that, you know, turning to food for any type of emotional experience, whether it's a positive emotional experience like joy, or maybe it's a negative emotional experience like stress, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no reason to feel guilty about it. Um, everything that you're describing, it's just, we don't want it to be our only tool to get through. Yeah. I don't really, I don't have too many performance rituals, actually, especially, like I said, we're on the road so much. So yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, we'll be at the hotel before the show, or sometimes we'll have had to be at the theater all day. Um, so we always, in our dressing room, um, the DTH girls, we always, like, kind of love to play music and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I just love to get like positive energy, feeling relaxed before a show. Um, not too, sometimes I feel like I'm an overthinker. So if I get (laughs) in the zone, it doesn't help me. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I can relate to that for sure. So Lindsay, my final question for you is how would you define what it means to be the healthy dancer? 
Um, I would say to be a healthy dancer, you have to think of your whole personhood. And so that's your body and your mind and your spirit. Um, and so I'd say just like make sure that you're feeding all three of those nourishing things. Yes, I love that, right? Providing nourishment for all realms of your being, your physical being, your mental and your emotional, which most often involves not restricting, having that mindset of allowance and removing that point of deprivation. There you go. Thank you so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lindsay, it was a pleasure chatting with you tonight. I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me.